Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope things are going well for y'all. I hope you all had a great Mother's Day. You mothers deserve every bit of adulation and tribute that you got on Mother's Day. I hope you uh, males and females that have mothers paid the proper tribute made their life a little bit easier. Now, for me, Mother's Day is a little bittersweet because, you see, uh, my mom passed away about 11 years ago right after Mother's Day. In fact, the last time I saw her alive was on Mother's Day. And the whole situation with my mom passing away was a little traumatic. Uh, For me, I think... I was meant to be part of this because I was one of the few in the family that could probably handle it. I'll just tell you this quick story because it uh, it was a tough story. My mom, we'd seen her for Mother's Day. We all got together, the kids, the grandkids, had a good time, took her out, had fun. And my mom wasn't that old. She was 69, going to be 70 in June, and this was May. And uh, she had her typical older person maladies, maybe type 2 diabetes, maybe neuropathy, nothing that was going to slow her down. And my mom was uh, pretty pretty much a fire plug in terms of wanting to go out and do things. And her mindset was good and everything was, was just fine. But one day, I get a call from my sister. Now, this is what's weird about women and men. I talk to my mother frequently. Not every day, not every other day, but frequently. She's my mom. I love my mom. But my sisters, they talked every day, no matter what. Both sisters talked to my mom every day. I guess that's what women do and daughters do. So anyway, my my sister was talking to my mom, and she thought she heard something funny. She seemed a little slower than usual and maybe a slight slur in her voice. So what she did was she said to my mom, I'm going to come pick you up and we're going to take you to the doctor. And my mom refused that. My sister insisted and it ended up getting kind of of contentious. And she said, I don't need to go to the doctor. Just leave me alone and hung up on her. They called back and kind of reconciled a little bit. So it was better before the end. But um, my sister kept pushing. You should go to see the doctor. Well, that didn't happen. And so the next morning, my sisters try to call her, and they're not getting any response. So that makes them a little nervous. Now, I worked in a job where I worked a split shift. I was a traffic reporter. Uh, So they called me and said, Mike, uh, when you're done at 9 for the morning shift, would you go check on mom? And I did. 
When I got there, it was kind of weird. She lived in a townhouse or a condo, had a screened-in porch, and uh, then there was a door to go in to the home. So I get there, and the latch hook is on the screen door. So I take a credit card, pop it up. That was pretty easy. I walk in, and the door is open to get in, and I see her cats running around. But it's very quiet and very still in this room. And so I'm kind of weirded out at this point because usually she would come out or I'd see her right away. But I was kind of scared about speaking out or yelling for her because she didn't expect me there. And if she heard a man's voice in her condo, that might scare her. I thought maybe she's taking out the garbage. Maybe she ran to the store, something along those lines. And uh, so I wasn't thinking much of it at that point. But then after a while, I start walking around the, uh, walking around the condo, and I, I see the TV's on. It looks like uh, nobody's been watching it, but it's been on because there was no, nothing on the couch that would suggest somebody was sleeping there or sitting there. So now I'm getting feeling a little funny about this. My mom's been with me all my whole life. <laughs> She's been a stalwart. I've, you know, I've seen her sick before, but never, never seriously sick. So I'm walking around. I'm going, where the hell is she? I'm trying to convince myself that she's at the at the store or taking out the garbage or something. But time goes by and it gets gets a little troublesome to me. I'm worried. So then I think, well, I'll walk in her bedroom. Maybe she's sleeping. I don't know why I didn't think about that at first. I mean, not a lot of time has gone by, but six, seven, eight, nine minutes. So I walk into the bedroom and I find my mom laying face down next to the bed. Now, my first thought is, oh, my God, she's sick. I need to call 911. And uh, as I'm just getting ready to call 911, I think to myself, the most outlandish thing I could think of, I think to myself, I should maybe see if an ambulance is what I need. Maybe this is worse than I think. I mean, she's not moving. She's not reacting to my voice. So I reach over and I touch her calf, and it's cold. And at that point, I knew we were in some deep shit. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to freak out. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to scream and yell and cry. When I'm in a situation where I have a problem, the first thing I do is I think, what do I need to do to take care of this? And that's what I was thinking. But I've never dealt with somebody who's passed away let alone my mom, and I'm having to deal with that, this woman who's been there my whole life, but i got to be strong and i got to be focused so I can do the right things at the right time. So the natural thing would be to call everybody you know and tell them the horrible news, and I didn't do that at first. I first called my brother because he's more like me. He can handle situations. I said, I said, dude, I'm at mom's condo. She's gone. And that was the wrong choice of words because he said, well, where is she? I said, she died. He goes, what? I go, I'm serious. Get over here. So he tears over there, and we're dealing with the situation. And right after I called him, I called the police. And the reason I called the police is because we've got a dead body in this condo. And I called the police, and the policeman is the first one to... um, to 
get to the condo. Now, the guy's a nice guy, but he sits down with me at a table, and I can see that he's kind of cross-examining me. I mean, I guess the first thing you've got to do is find out, yes, we have a dead body. We have a mom and a son. We have to figure out if this son had anything to do with it. And it was kind of disconcerting, but, you know, I understood what he had to do. And we talked for a few minutes. He went back and looked at my mom, and he he realized at that point this was something that happened to her and um, that it was a natural thing and that I had nothing to do with it. And at that point, I have to say, this cop was very nice, very consoling, very helpful. So they call out the, um, the county coroner. And I'm thinking, okay, good. I don't know what to do here. I have no idea. Uh, but at least the county coroner's coming out here to tend to this situation. So they come out, and they look at her, and uh, they make some assumptions. They, uh, and they said, well, we got to go. I said, aren't you taking my mom? I mean, she's dead. You're the coroner. I mean, I don't even know what to do here. And my brother is totally at a loss. He's a smart guy, but he's at a loss. What do we do? And they said, no, you got to handle that on your own. Apparently, my mom wanted to be cremated. I guess we knew that. But they said we'd have to call that place to have her come taken care of. Now, we weren't exactly sure which cremation company she was with. But it just so happened a neighbor was coming by, looking at the situation, um, and he happened to be on the Cremation Society in Minnesota. Turns out that's where my mom got her details all sent. And so, so he helped us through it. I mean, it was like an angel walked in because we had no clue what to do. We had my mom laying in her condo. And my brother and I have no clue what to do. And to be perfectly honest with you, anybody else that's going to show up, my sisters, my wife, um, his wife, they're going to be frazzled and they aren't going to be any help at all. So my brother and I have to figure this out. And I have to give my brother credit because he did most of the work. And so with the help of this neighbor, we are able to get somebody to come out and take her wherever she needs to be taken. And that's pretty much how it ended. Of course, we have the, you know, the whole will thing and, 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 and the cremation and the, and the ceremony. We had a wonderful ceremony at her church. Tons of people showed up. I was very happy and proud of that. But my mom was that kind of person. Everybody who knew her loved her. She did a lot of good things for other people. And I tell you that story only because it was very traumatic for me, but I didn't realize the trauma until after it was done. Like I said, when I got in the moment, I had to focus. I had to think business-like, along with my brother, to get done what we needed to get done, to have it done properly, um, instead of just freaking out. Now, when I found my mom dead, I mean, it hit home. It's just weird to have a mother that's been with you since you've been born, and now all of a sudden she's gone. But again, the trauma didn't set in. And the weird thing about it, the weird thing about it, I miss my mom. I love my mom. I had to do the, the eulogy at the, at the funeral. And my mom and I always kidded each other a lot, and there was a lot of humor between us and the family. And there was also a lot of sentimental stuff. So when I did the eulogy, it was funny, 
and it was sentimental at the same time. And it actually went very well. Fortunately, I could talk, and uh, and 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 my uh, brother came up to me before I did the eulogy, and he said, "Are you sure you can handle this?" Now I took it a whole different way than he meant it. I said, "What do you mean? Can I handle this? I worked in radio for forty years. I've done tons and tons of talks." Uh, in front of crowds, yeah, I can handle this. This isn't a big deal. And he looks at me kind of weird and he goes, I know you can do it technically, but this is your mom. I'm talking about you emotionally. Can you handle it? And that I wasn't too sure about. But it was weird when I got up to do the eulogy. I stood in front of a microphone like I'm doing here now, and immediately I turned into the broadcaster or the speaker. Everything else was kind of taken out of the mix the emotional part of it. I was telling a story, and yes, I knew my mom died, but I wanted this eulogy to be the best it could possibly be for her as her final send-off. And I was able to get through it without any problem. But now, 11 years after the fact, every so often I find myself in my car or uh, a Mother's Day or a birthday or something like that, And for no reason at all, I kind of well up with emotion. I'm not a hugely emotional guy, but I do in that situation. It's just out of blue. It's like she's come down and touched me. Now, I haven't felt anything. I have heard nothing from her from the... Uh, from the other side, but but I get these moments where I where where it kind of bubbles up and I get upset. Not crazy upset, but my eyes well up. I get emotional. My heart ends up in my throat. So, for me, Mother's Day is a very bittersweet thing. I have a lot of mothers in my in my family that I'm proud of and love and respect the things they do, and I have that same pride and respect. For my mom, she did a wonderful job under sometimes difficult circumstances. So I remember her fondly all the time. I thank her for me being able to be where I am now. It's largely due to her. Um, And people always say, do you ever get over this stuff? And I said, no, I don't think you do. I mean, you deal with it and you handle it. Throw in the fact that I got to found her, find her after her death. That adds some extra trauma to it. But to some respect, it's been kind of, it's, it's been kind of a closure, certainly for me. And it's also been almost like an honor. Almost like an honor. Now, I had one other situation where I felt that same honor. And this was compelling. This was weird. Nothing about what happened to my mom was weird. And you know what I find strange is that my mom was a big believer in the paranormal. And I kind of believe in the paranormal, too. And we'd always talk about it. So I thought, sure as hell, when she passes, I'm going to get some kind of message, some kind of note, some kind of uh, feather or something that suggests that she's around and watching. haven't got a thing. I don't know. Maybe it's me. But I know she's in the place she belongs. She's a wonderful woman. She was a loving woman, and she cared about a lot of people. And now I have a new granddaughter whom she never met, and I know my mom would love this little girl. She would love this little girl, and I'm sad that she didn't get the opportunity to meet her. Well, years after that, I had a, I had a grandmother on my father's side, and I was pretty close to her. We spent a lot of time with them in... Uh, 
going up to our cabin on weekends and stuff. We spent a lot of time with my grandparents on both sides, but these grandparents, we spent a lot of time on the weekends going up to the cabin, giving my mom and dad a break or whatever, giving us a break from my dad. They were his parents, so they knew exactly what the fuck we were dealing with. Um, So I was very close to this woman. In fact, on my dad's side, I was the very first grandson. And it was largely believed by everybody that I was this Grandma Marge's favorite grandkid. Now, I don't know if that was true, but the way she acted, yeah, probably was true. She gave me a lot of attention. She gave me a lot of a lot of uh, slack, I guess, to do what I wanted. And now my grandmother, she was kind of an intense woman. I mean, she was very... Um, intense about cleaning and about appearances and everything like that. A lot of things I don't particularly like right now. And as I look back at my grandmother, I realized there were some negative things about her that other people saw, but I was the favorite, so it really didn't click with me. Thankfully, my grandmother was married to my grandfather, who was the coolest, calmest, strongest, smartest guy I ever met. And while she kind of bossed him around here and there, when it came down to nut-cutting time, Grandpa put his foot down and said, no, we're not doing that. Grandma took note and did what she was supposed to do in that situation. Anyways, my grandmother lived a very long life. She lived to about 94 years old. No, that was my grandfather. He was more like 98 years old. And for the last five years, she had spent in a nursing home in a small town north of where I live. So it's about a three-hour drive to go see her. And we always made an effort to go see her. All my family did, my brothers, my sisters, my wife and I, my kids. We'd go see her a lot. We loved Grandma March. And uh, as she was in this nursing home, things slowly got worse. I mean, her, her, her health deteriorated. And so I would go up and see her, and I would kid with her, and she would kid with me. I always kidded with all my grandparents and my parents, for that matter, and they knew who I was. They know I didn't mean anything by it, and they loved me. I loved them. It was a wonderful situation. So I'd go up and see Grandma, and we would talk. And then eventually she got sicker, and she stopped talking. I mean, she literally wasn't talking. She might acknowledge by looking at you and nodding or giving you that look in her eye that I knew so well after all these years being around her, but she she wasn't talking at all. And then one day, she gets so sick, they decide to put her in hospice. So we're thinking, okay, this is the end. She's 96 years old, so yeah, that could be. But this woman was a fiery woman, man. (laughs) She... uh, she didn't she didn't take any crap and she gave a little bit in return. She goes into hospice, we're all getting concerned and we know the end is near. But then about 6 months later they say, "Yeah, we're taking her out of hospice cuz she's healthier now." I never heard of anybody coming out of hospice, but she did. And she lived for about another year and a half. Then I get a call from the nursing home and they said, "You know, Mike, um your mom, your grandmother's in the late stages here. She's going to go sometime soon. Um, 
so you should come up here. Now, this was a Monday. We all work. I can't get up there on Monday. None of my family can get up there on Monday because we have to work. We try to get out of things. My wife was a teacher. I'm on the radio. There was really nobody to replace us, so we couldn't do it. So I said, I said to my wife, I said, let's go up there early Saturday morning, hoping against hope that she'll be alive. So we get up there. We get up there, and uh, she is still alive, and the people at the nursing home are at a loss. They say, we honestly don't know how she's still made it this far. I mean, we thought it would be Wednesday or Thursday at the max, and, you know, everything in her body's deteriorated, and it just no, it makes no sense that she's still going. And I said, well, I'm glad I got here to uh, to see her. And so I go in there with my wife, and my, I'm talking to her in her ear, but I'm standing behind her as she's laying on her side. My wife is in front of her, kind of touching her hair or her hand or something like that. And she says, um, Mike, you should come around here and look her in the eye so she can see you. I said, can she see me? And he said, come around here. So I come around. I come around and uh, I'm looking her in the eye and I'm talking to her. And then I said to my wife, and I've never done this before, never had this experience, but something told me to do this. I said to my wife, I said, I said, honey, could you go out in the lobby for a little bit? Give me a little time with my grandmother alone. She said, sure. And so I'm seeing her hanging on. I'm realizing I'm her favorite grandson. All the other people were wanted to come up that day and were planning to come up that day. But for some reason, nobody else could be there but my wife and I. And part of me thinks that that's the way it was supposed to happen. I don't know. Maybe not. I have a feeling that if there were a bunch of people out there, this whole scenario would have played out differently and maybe not played out better. So anyway, I'm sitting there looking at my grandmother in her eyes. I can see them open, and I can see a little bit of movement. And I'm holding her hand, and I say, Grandma, you've done a lot of good work here. You're largely responsible for raising me, my brother, my sisters, my cousins, and you've done a wonderful job here. And we appreciate it so much, and we love you so much. We hate to see you in this situation. But I'm just going to tell you, Grandma, it's okay. It's okay to go. I'm getting a little emotional here because I remember it, and it had such an impact on me that day. I said, it's okay to go. Grandpa's there waiting for you. Your place is with him. Don't worry about down here. We've got this covered. I've learned enough from you, and so has everybody else, that we can take care of things. And it's time for you to go. And it's okay. Just know we love you, and we will see you again. So I sat there for about 30 seconds, and I noticed a change in her eyes. Her eyes weren't looking or moving. They just became static and kind of glossed over, even almost turning gray. I thought, oh, my God. So I yelled to my wife. I say, uh, honey, come in here. And I said, sit down here next to me. 
I told my grandmother that it was okay to go, and I think she's gone. My wife looks at me. So you told her to go, and she instantly went. I said, I don't know, but it kind of looks like that. My wife looked at her, and she goes, no, she's still there. Her eyes are open. I go, "That look at her eyes. And so she's kind of be in denial about this, and that's how she does things. She's in denial about stuff. So I walk out to the nurse's desk, and I say, ma'am, do you have any kind of electronics on my grandmother to know if, if and when she passes? She said, no, we don't have that. I said, would you come in here and check on her for me to see her current condition? And she said, we checked on her like two minutes before you came here, so she's fine. It'll be fine. I said, ma'am, really, I think you need to come in and check on her. She says, why? I said, I was just talking to her, and I told her it was okay to pass. And I swear to all that's holy, for what little I know, that she's passed. And they looked at me kind of crazy, as if I was crazy. And they got up, and they walked into her, and they knelt down, and they took her pulse, and they checked some other things. And then she turned around and looked at me, very freaked out. And I said, what? He goes, she is gone. I go, really? Wow. I mean, this woman hung on for years, hung on for a whole week after they thought she was going to die. And I sit down for 30 seconds, and now she's gone. Now, understand, I'm not suggesting I have any great power because I don't. I'm just a grandson who loves his grandmother and worried about her. But one of the reasons I said what I said to her, because as I'm sitting there, I rushed. I realized that I rushed to her to see her because I didn't want her to die alone. And so as, I'm, as it's kind of going on with my wife and I and we're talking, I realized in my head, damn it, we got to go pretty soon. We got to get back. We got dogs. We got kids. We got we, we to do something. And so... When my wife left the room, and before I talked to my grandmother, I said a prayer. Now, I know you probably think, oh, he swears he's not religious. I don't belong to any religion, but I do believe in God. I pray every day multiple times, and I do it based on my experiences. That's why I believe in God. And as I'm sitting, sitting there, after my wife leaves, I think to myself, I may not be accomplishing what I want to accomplish here. I mean, I don't want to wish my grandmother's life away, but she's near death. They all say she's near death. I came here to make sure she doesn't die alone. I think she would hate that. So I said, God, please hear me on this. My grandmother has been very important to me, and she's very close to coming to be with you. I don't know when that day or time is supposed to come based on what your plan is, but I don't want her to die alone. So if, she, if she's going to be taken anyway, let me help her to get to where she needs to be. I know it's all about your will, but you got to give me this one, one time. No, I'm doing it with the best intentions, the best heart that I want the best for my grandmother. And then after I did that, that's when I sat down and I talked to her and I said, it's okay to go. And then she goes. 
The nurses look at me, and I kind of freaked out that I just talked to her, and then she went. As since both my father was not available, I don't know where he was. Her other son, my uncle, had died, and I was her first grandson, so I was the closest to her that was still alive and still available. And I know she and I had a connection, a very deep connection, after all those years. And I really feel the kind of woman my my grandmother was. You know, she was very intense, very busy, very involved. And I knew in her current state she was not happy at all because it was totally the opposite of the way she normally acted. So I believe that she hung on because she was a strong-minded woman. She didn't want to do anything she didn't want to do. She wasn't afraid of dying. She had nothing to regret, but she was hanging on. Then I talked to her, and then she's gone. And what's weird about that is at that moment when we realized that she truly passed, there was, to me anyway, I can't speak for anybody else, there was this kind of surreal feeling in the room. I'm not talking ghosts and that kind of stuff. It's just like the whole vibe of the room changed. And I felt... I felt kind of chills and stuff as that I've just been touched by God's work. Now, even if I hadn't done all this stuff and she passed while I was there, I would probably feel the same way, but it's different because I felt like I played some part in it. I played some part talking to God and having God do what he needs to do and also giving my grandmother the comfort and the permission to go. Those two instances in my life, finding my mother who has passed away and helping my grandmother to finally make the decision that she can go, those played huge roles in my life as I've gotten older in terms of belief, in terms of what's going on in this world. We all have people that impact us directly. We all have people that are important in our lives. Those connections are set when we're early, and they grow and they they thicken as we get older. So we need to maintain those connections. You can't throw grandma in a nursing home and forget about her because it's just not convenient to hang out with her anymore. She may not be able to do the same things she could do. She may not even be able to talk. But that connection of your heart to them is still there. And for me to be able to do that for my grandmother, I'll grant you, this whole thing could have been a coincidence. But the feeling I got after all was said and done was more than just a coincidence. I can't even explain it, but it's a feeling I've never experienced before. But as weak and as tired and as sick as people get, the ties you have from your heart, your soul, to those people close to you, never weaken. They constantly stay at full force. So you have to honor that and honor those people, even if they're not convenient in your life to have to deal with them. So for me, in that situation with my grandmother, I felt honored. I felt like I was part of something that I never expected to be. I felt like I was special because I was able to have the honor to watch her decide to go and go be with my grandfather. 
Now, I'm sure there's a lot of trolls out there that will say, oh, that's just bullshit. That didn't really happen that way. Or it was just all coincidental. Well, you can believe whatever you want. I don't care. The fact of the matter is I was there. I experienced it. That was a change in my life when I experienced that. I took a whole different look at death. I realized we have some certain choices in this in some cases. And I realized just how deeply the connections were between you and your loved ones. In my life, I've seen a lot of people pass away and die. But I never, you know, and and I think most people think, okay, they die, we move on, we do what we got to do. But that connection, that love, that respect, and that, that connection is always there. Even when they're gone, people say, when do you get over it? You don't ever get over it. You learn to deal with it. It becomes less and less traumatic. But it's always there in your mind. And like I say, I'm not a crier. I'm not one to weep over spilt milk. I let things go, and I move on. And for me, that's the best way to handle things. But every once in a while, whether it be my mom or that moment with my grandmother, something will remind me or something will just crop in my head, and I'll get emotional, and I don't get emotional. It's usually when I'm in my car by myself or at home by myself. I get that emotional feel and I want to cry. But it's not really a sad or scary cry. It's just like I have to let the emotions out. And I really feel at that point these women, my mom and my grandmother, are there with me. And they're trying to get me to acknowledge that they're there. And I do by getting emotional. All my life, I've never been emotional. But if anybody could get me emotional, it would be my mom and my grandma. And they still do to this day. It's rare. Happens now and again. But uh, it's a weird situation. (laughs) People say, what's the point of you telling me these stories? I don't know. I just like telling stories. It was Mother's Day Sunday. A lot of us are lucky that we have our moms. And we should pay tribute to them and, and love them. And, and do all we can for them. But understand that at some point, those moms or grandmoms won't be there anymore. So you got to make the most of it while you're dealing with them, while they're alive. And know when they're gone, it's not over. Their love, their connection, still there. I was going to talk about politics today, but when you got me talking about my mom, I just kind of went off at a different tangent. So those of you those of you that were expecting me to talk about politics, I apologize. I'll probably be talking about politics tomorrow or the next day. You can always check me out on TikTok or Instagram. I'm always talking politics and news. Every so often I try something else. I want to ask you to subscribe. See, that's that's the one thing you have to understand about the Rational Boomer podcast. It's not all about politics and news. It may talk, we may talk about nostalgia. We may talk about pop culture. We may talk about our own experiences. And this is the day we talk about this experience I have with death. Because you see, as a baby boomer at 61 years old, I don't expect to die tomorrow. But I have to take a more serious look at it. My mother was 69, just going to be turning 70. And she passed away unexpectedly. That's the thing that we boomers and even ex-gens have to worry about. Death, sickness, cancer. It's a crapshoot at this point. It is an absolute crapshoot at this point. 
because anything like that could happen to us. We could have a heart attack. Cancer could flare up. And we know that. And are we nervous about it? I think generally most of us aren't unless you have one of those maladies. I was always very curious about how old people felt about death since they were so much closer. Now, my grandfather, my grandmother that died's husband, was also very close to. In fact, if I was to pick anybody I was like in my family, it would be him. Because he was kind of laid back, but he had a lot of opinions. He wouldn't take any shit, but he wouldn't wade into fights unless it was worth it. I did a series of interviews with him when he was about 94 years old, not long before his death. Now, this guy was born in 1911, and this was like 2000 or something, or 2003 or whatever it was. And I wanted to interview him, and I did interview him. I wanted him to tell me about his experiences during certain times in history. And the reason I did that is I wanted something on tape from my grandfather telling me about his experiences during the Depression or Pearl Harbor or his life in South Minneapolis when he was a young man. Not so much for my benefit. Not even so much for my kids' benefit, because I could tell them the stories, and they met my grandfather. But I wanted my grandkids and my great-grandkids be able to hear stories about important times in history directly from the mouth of someone who is directly related to them, their great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather. And I have those CDs. I'm trying to think of ways to put them out because they're very good. But in that CD, I talked to my grandfather at 94. I said, Grandpa, you're 94 years old. If you died tomorrow, no one would be surprised. I mean, you're not sick, but at this age, anything could happen. And I could talk to my grandfather like that. I said, are you worried? Do you get scared every day thinking about this? And he looked at me and he kind of smiled. He says, no, I don't. I said, why not? He said, I've lived 94 years. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I was young. I played sports. I had a career. I got married. I got kids. I I raised the kids. I have grandkids and now great-grandkids. There comes a point in your life when you've done pretty much everything, seen everything that you're possibly going to see, and it becomes more difficult to be alive, meaning you have aches and pains. Everything you do, you stand up and there's pain. And for some reason, after all those years, you become uh, resigned to the fact that it's all going to come to an end at some point. It becomes more realistic that you're going to die. I'm kind of freaking out when he's telling me this. He said, look, Mike, when that day comes that I die, I'm ready. I'm set. I have no regrets in my life that are big enough to make me want to live longer so that I could rectify them. I've had my time. I've done what I'm supposed to do, and when it comes, I'm ready to go. To some respect, it's a relief knowing that that day is coming. And honestly, that's a very healthy attitude about death because it's unavoidable. It's going to happen to you. And he was able to rationalize that out. <laughs> he, was ra- he wasn't a boomer, but he was rational. Um, and he was, he was okay with it. He was set with it. So I take that instance, watch my, find my mother dead, watch my grandmother die. And this gives me a whole different perspective on being old and the prospects of the ultimate death. 
For some reason, I feel better about it. I'm not concerned. I'm not scared about it. There's nothing I can do about it. So when it comes, it comes. A lot of people are worried about being remembered forever. Well, nobody will be remembered forever. I have great-great-grandparents in my lineage. I can look up on Ancestry.com, and I don't know who they were. I don't know much about them. That's why I tell my kids, I said, I tell you a lot of history about what's going on in our family, and you need to remember it because you need to pass it on. But eventually you come so far down to generations that nobody's going to remember you because nobody met you at that point. It's okay. It's a natural way of things. Anyway, like I said, I was going to talk politics. I got all kinds of things. So I'll take it over to TikTok, talk about some of that stuff there. Tomorrow, I'll probably be back with some more political and news talk. But I appreciate you sticking with me here and and, uh, allowing me to just speak from the top of my head. Mother's Day had a big impact on me, and my thought process really focused on these things that we were talking about today. So I wanted to extend them to you, see what you think. Because I know you all have similar stories, and I know you all um, have similar ways to deal with death in your family and your own ultimate death. And uh, it may be something we want to talk about. You can leave... A voicemail message, if you go to anchor.fm, you can email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. I really want people to interact. I want the questions. I want the comments. I want the opinions. It doesn't matter because I want this program to be as much about you as it is me. As I've said, I'm not the rational boomer. I'm a rational boomer. And there's a lot of us out there that deserve a little support with one another. So maybe we can do some good in the future. So, Have yourself a great week. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be on TikTok. So it ain't going to be hard to find me. You have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.